sure. So this is Basecamp Beta BCB number 18. 18. 18. Uh, Sean here. Chris here. And we got special guest Spencer, yeah? Hi, Spencer. What's going on? What's going on? What isn't going on? <laughs> what isn't going on? I know the world isn't getting cooler. No, I know not that's not going cooler. on. No. I know the world isn't getting better. That's going on. All checks out, yeah. Yeah. I know I'm not drinking alcohol right now. Yeah, that's, that's right. We're going to talk about that. Like, how do you feel about having more energy than you know what to do with and also having an amount of clarity and joy of life? I, it's mostly really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, really, the whole thing is, like, like surprisingly easy. Not, not just easy, because, I've, you know, like, <clears throat> I'm old enough and have consumed alcohol regularly enough to have taken many breaks from alcohol. Yeah. But this time... As opposed to just being fine, it's like actively enjoyable for the most part. Okay. Like I'm going out and socializing and enjoying it, listening to music and enjoying it more than I would have if I was drunk. Yeah. By the way, you're cool talking about this openly. Yeah. All right. It's, I mean, it, like I, I, I'm not quitting drinking because of any, you know, dire life circumstances. It's just I'm <clears throat> taking a break yeah. because it feels like the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. As was I. Before going to this wedding this weekend. <laughs> and, you know, that's just a momentary, you know. But, uh, so you're not, you're not, not drinking. Yeah, exactly. But you're not, you know? not drinking. Yeah, not. yeah. It's just most days not drinking. Yeah. For weeks at a time, mm. ideally. And then, but, you know. Drinking when it makes sense. To yeah, drinking. if there's some weddings, you know, then you make an exception. If I go to the beach, I'm going to bring some rum. Yeah. Uh, rum? Yeah. Okay. But other than that, yeah. you know, generally, generally not drinking. There was a there was a moment of time, especially, I want to say, kind of earlier this year, last year as well, where I was purposefully going out, going to clubs, going dancing, and also going to weddings and not drinking purposefully, and like pushing myself to like go dancing, like yeah. totally without anything going on in the system, you know. I think you dance better. I'm a I'm a great dancer. Sober? I'm a great dancer. Yeah. Are you? I'm a great dancer. That's <laughs> I mean I can <laughs> confirm. <laughs> I yeah, no, I, I, I went to see Pepe Loda on Saturday. Yeah. Let's uh, go okay, yeah, scene report. Um let's do let's do the <clears throat> and are we already into the scene report? Let's do a scene report. Yeah. Oh Oh damn! What's up? You're Amber okay. Alert, White oh. Mitsubishi. Oh well, I'll make sure to report it. Um, uh, so scene report. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I went to the Juicy Street party. Our friend Ivan does it. Uh, it's a kind of loft, part loft esque party in a loft esque space. So I mean, loft in all the senses. Sure. Uh, you know. Balloons, disco, that kind of loft. Like balloons on the ceiling? Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Oh, wow. And uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, the parties, you know, uh, I'm going to say like 80 to 100 people, small basement space, but kind of a nice space. I mean, without like giving anything away, is it, it's, it's just like RSVP type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I mean, I can 
get you the info for the next one. It's a really fun party. Was it Saturday? Yeah. Oh, that's funny because I went to a a party along those lines as well Saturday that I've been going to. Wait, did you go to Party Line or? Uh, I don't know. Should I say? I don't know it doesn't matter. Cedar? We can edit things we, out. You, you can say it and then if you don't want yeah. it to be. Cedar Room? I don't know it. It's like Toshi from A1 Records. Oh, sick. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. But the one you're talking about is called? Uh, that's Juicy Street. Juicy Street. Yeah. Okay. Wait, which... Is it in kind of like a developed apartment? It's in, in like, Bush, a, like a, a, a Bushwick apartment, like a nice condo-y-ish apartment. Does it have like kind of like a backyard, sort of closed, enclosed backyard? Uh, you can't access the backyard space oh, really? officially. So. Okay. But I think, you, I, mean, I think there is a, there is a backyard. I think because I went to some sort of after thing and it was in like a, you know, one of those like new construction type places and you know there was the upstairs where you walked in and it was a kitchen and a bunch of like this, I mean this sound and then downstairs to the basement downstairs to the basement mm. there's like kind of a bar as soon as you come downstairs but then this is like, this the, is probably the, the space. kind of wide open-ish but I don't remember balloons on the ceiling though uh, they might not always do the balloons but oh, right. like the guy who owns it is like a loft oh regular. okay okay um but uh yeah, Beppe Loda was playing at Juicy Street. It was really fun. I was sober. Who's, who's, who's Beppe Loda? Beppe Loda's an Italian DJ from the 80s uh, who played in like a style similar to like Daniel Baldelli. Played at Typhoon Club? Yeah, I, I don't want to say he played Cosmic Style because he didn't play Cosmic Style. He played Typhoon. Hmm. Um, so like a lot of like, you know, Tangerine Dream records mixed with slow down disco mixed with you know whatever oh chill uh, but did he ever play of, couldn't get arrested I, not to my knowledge yeah that jam's real next level mm-hmm. um loda did a series called electronica mechanica of mix it like a mixed series of the cassettes <clears throat> and those are like kind of broadly in the baldelli cosmic style but much more electronic focused so like a lot of like Chris and Cozy, a lot of Yellow, a lot mm. of like uh, yeah, I Tangerine see. Dream, uh, but all in like ninety one hundred BPM kind of zone. But in more recent years, uh, he's he plays mostly just like disco. Yeah, um, yeah. That's kind of like like that. That's always to me like you know. When, you know, the party that I was referring to, when it really sort of takes off is when, um, you know, the primary DJ uh, uh, would just, yeah, play Disco or House. And, yeah, for whatever reason, like, you know, you're down there and every sort of little vector comes together at that moment. Mm-hmm. You know, like, not too late. Maybe around, like, like 2.15 or something like that. And you're like... For like five ten minutes, you're like, yes, this is, this is why we're in here. This is why the culture exists. Yeah, you know. Yeah. What 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 record produced that moment for you? Um, there. I mean, there were there were a lot of good ones. Um, let's see. I mean, like he was playing a lot of uh, like Chelsea Valley tracks, like Tantra. Um. I was very happy when he played Tantra's A Place Called Tarot. That's a real 
real banger. Um, singing out with Nahal. He was like, what's this one? Great. Um, Bob Salton's Star Night. He played the instrumental. That's a pretty epic one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there were, there were a lot of uh, Petrus and Malavasi tracks. <clears throat> so like a lot of Peter Jacques band. He played, I think, like four, three or four Peter Jacques band tracks. A lot of them were super edited, which was mm-hmm. really cool. Um, like edited, like the like the person prepared their own edits of it, or were they were they? Loda, were Loda, they? Had, I had presumably re-edited themselves. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So were they playing off of drives or mixes? It was it was USB sticks. USB sticks, I okay. think. Yeah. Um, or possibly CDs, but he, he definitely wasn't bringing vinyl. I've seen him a bunch of times, and he's I've never seen him play with vinyl. Yeah. Um. And yeah, you see, like, what, what time does the party usually start? I think it goes from 12 to 12. 12 to 12? Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. I think. Or maybe, cool. ten, or maybe Wait, which 10 12 to, to which 12? <clears throat> I guess I could see it going both ways. <laughs> the good 12 to the bad 12. <laughs> um, well, that is a good point, though, because what, like, the loft is basically, like, brunch for elders right right, right. the that, loft is yeah like it's uh it starts at like 2 p.m or something and goes to it's like usually like yeah like four until midnight or yeah. something yeah. um uh no juicy street goes it's a, like, a night party and i like it starts midnight to it, noon yeah 11 or 11 or 12 and goes till 10 11 gotcha. 12 okay the next day mm. you know what i really like about those places for the most part is that like you know yeah like amongst like the venues I could think of that I might like sort of circulate through looking to like dance and stuff. Like for the most part, those zones feel pretty like creep free, you know, Mm. which like sadly is just like, even for like a place like mood ring, which most of the time it kind of seems like it's going to be chill. Like a certain time you get the creepers in there. Yeah. 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 It's like, I don't know any sort of, small to mid-range club that's just kind of like a known club definitely has a hugely higher quotient of yeah. of creeps in there just generally yeah just like you're saying i mean yeah like sometimes it's like it's funny because even like maybe it's like unfair but like sometimes even if i look over and it's someone who you know usually a male uh, is holding a drink and just sort of standing there staring at people dancing, like that automatically just sort of sets a thing off for me, mm-hmm. you know? You know, versus it's like, you know, if someone, like you could tell when someone just like, they have a drink and they're like bobbing their head, like they're there to experience be amongst it. the people or experience, you know, but then other times you just sort of feel like, okay. You can spot you know, Get a vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Juicy Streets, I, w- I want to say it's a pretty creep free crowd and mostly like a somewhat older crowd 30 definitely a 30 plus crowd on the whole yeah do you see like a lot of regulars at this party i've only been a few times Uh, but uh, yeah i mean like a lot of the faces that go are people i it's a lot of people that i know from like another new york life basically people people like from like 10 15 years ago interesting all right like people who used to go to like you know trebecca grand for will will burnett's party way back in the day um like you know a lot of like people who used to go to dope jams parties and things like that. Mm. So people I have, I've seen not as much in the last yeah. five to 10 years. Yeah. Um, it, you know, yeah. Uh, in the more, uh, you know, 
bossa nova era you know mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um yeah yeah it's it's funny because it's like like even recently I brought this friend along and we're having like conversations out back and you know just you know discovering a bit more about like these people that I'd been seeing you know once every month or so at this party and just kind of discovering more about like where they're coming from what they're into and things like that you know it was kind of re- <clears throat> I mean it was you know kind of interesting you know because instead of just sort of being like the party like hey what's up you know bye yeah yeah you know like sitting around and like you know just sort of actually talking digging to into people. some stuff yeah mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily stuff that like i personally always like dig deep into you know like you know discovered that like you know it was like these like literature heads you know which i can't go quite deep into but you know my friend could and so you know eventually when they were sort of like my friend was like speaking as well you know like these names would come up and then you know just sort of being around those conversations and things like that yeah know? for sure it's it's surprising how hard it is to have actual conversations anywhere these days <laughs> i know right <laughs> yeah yeah goodness so, w- w- again one of the one of the many reasons we started doing this right. podcast was just because a- it, like it's just so hard to actually talk with people about actual things yeah um, yeah I mean, you know, for me, like, it's super cool because it's like, like, I've had conversations with you two, but like, you know, you, I only, like, no, just like store capacity, right? Mm -hmm. Well, then also like having listened to like this podcast somewhere first started and then, you know, a little bit of homework prior to this one. But, you know, I mean, it's nice to be able to like set a thing in which there could be a little bit of chat. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I think sometimes we kind of need that like to schedule like talking almost because people feel so like burnt out and kind of like always having to do something that sometimes it feels like you almost need to like schedule like time to just hang out and chat. But that's kind of scary. Because otherwise too. it doesn't really it's happen. It's super scary. It's super yeah. scary because, you know, you're like at the spot and you're like, yeah, you know, we got to, re- we got to get, you know, like have a, have a thing like a- away from all this hecticness. And then, like, you know, later in the week, it's just like, oh, fuck, you know, I got to take care of this. I got to take care of this. Yeah. It's, it's one so more one, like you said, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, a couple hours yeah. aside just to be, like, sitting down with someone. That was one thing that sort of, like, I mean, it's a little bit of, like, a bittersweet sort of thing. But, like, people who you see somewhat regularly in, like, a New York regular is even, like, once a month or once every two months. Right. And you're like, I really do like you. And I feel like both of us could be like super pals but things are just offset enough like yeah, it's yeah. just not gonna happen in this <laughs> life i'm sorry and it really sucks yeah it know? sucks for everyone yeah but i totally get i totally know that you're like you have people that you're just kind of like if just had a little more time and a little yeah. more than like could definitely be really close with this person but yeah and so that's what's really interesting to me too because at the same time it's like you know i don't know about you all but like you know, my experience at this point, like, I'm getting very, very close to, like, 10 years, like, living and working here versus just working and dropping in. And just kind of, like, a little bit of, like, the turnover of network, if I wanted, for lack of a better term, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll use that word. And also particularly, like, people who maybe you pick up on earlier on, but then, like, 
come back in a bigger way later on. Yeah, for sure. And then also how some people just sort of flow in as well. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, like as much as I was just saying, like, you know, a minute ago about how it's really sad about not making new people at the same time. Like, it does happen. Right. Like, you know, like how the fuck does it happen? You can't exactly, like, pin that down. But it's just like, boom, you know, whatever reason, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I guess things change enough, like, quickly enough here and whatever, like, you kind of run into new you you are kind of like running into new people all the time um yeah but like you know running it's very hard to actually get to know them yeah (laughs) exactly running into like that's the hard part yeah meeting people is easy well like like social media distorts this so much because you feel like you you feel like you really know these people like oh my good friend who i've actually only had two conversations with ever but i just comment on their stuff yeah. on Facebook sometimes. Yeah, yeah. See, their, see their Instagram yeah. posts um, every now and then. But that can yeah. actually like oddly uh, lead to oh, yeah, yeah. a yeah, yeah. certain sense of closeness, even though you're not supposed to be like, you know, like, well, I saw you were at Fort Tilden today, <laughs> you know? Like, you can't exactly, like, you could kind right. of like liminally. I mean, that, that, that can become like real friendships for sure, but it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It is definitely like it's not the same thing as actually being close to someone and actually spending time with them and actually can, you know, conversing in real time is like, it's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah, we wanted to talk about spectacle. Yeah. So Spencer, you're involved with, uh, with spectacle theater. Yeah. It's, um, for those who don't know, it's a 30 seat micro cinema still in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, which we'll talk about in a moment, <laughs> but, uh, it's, uh, all volunteer collectively run. Um, instead of maybe like running through the history, I could talk about the, you know, my perspective of it now, Yeah, yeah. which is that like, we're, we're basically, we're going to hit our, uh, uh, 10th, 10 year anniversary next year, That's which amazing. is wow. wild. And it's particularly wild too, because it has maintained being a collectively run organization and the look of the organization is a lot different than it looked even like, you know five eight years ago you know like like many things like it started off being like it was three white dudes then it was like eight white dudes and then now it's just like there's still white dudes but then there's also others involved and like you know it's not so much like leadership as it is like people who are willing to you know fuck their lives up taking on like the responsibilities of you know, running the place. Sounds right. like running a podcast. <laughs> it's, 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 I mean, it's, it, it, you know, I mean, it, it, it's wild. It's like, you know, I've been involved in a number of organizations, some of them, you know, you know, claiming themselves to be some kind of collective right. or maybe just mm. a bunch of people trying to figure out how to make something run. And, yeah. you know, I mean, you've mm. all been involved in such things and like kind of the arc where it's like, you know, the first, couple to a few years you know there there's this there's a there's this moment where like you know everything comes together and it feels like a real high but then all of a sudden things start falling apart because yeah. people start getting bitter resentful you know under recognized mostly know, maybe bored mostly bored in my experience bored? oh yeah <laughs> people get people get bored or like you know money comes into the equation yeah yeah Anyway, money or lack thereof. Yeah, exactly. And that's one thing that we've continued 
to get by on, which is basically no profit, um, like, you know, we've been sort of navigating various stages of becoming a nonprofit. But then there's also been discussion that, like, in order to be a nonprofit of the kind to where, you know, people will give you money, you have to establish some sort of, like, hierarchy, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, you know, but also a certain amount of organization, certain amount of, like, accountability. Um, and you also, like, if you're taking money, then you have to, like, report on the money. Right. Uh, you have to do certain things, which, you know, like, all that stuff we're doing anyways, or we're trying to, you know, and recognizing, like, you know, not only our audience, but also kind of like our place within the immediate surroundings and also sort of within the larger, like, micro cinema scene, but also like cinema scene in New York. One thing that I've realized through conversations with people who are involved in micro cinemas and like curatorial, like, you know, moving image curatorial platforms nationwide or internationally is that. Uh, my spectacle we we try to play like an actual movie theater like we screen seven nights a week mm-hmm. and we have like two screens a night during the weekdays we've expanded to have um, matinees and then also midnight movies on the weekends and it's fucking insane I mean it's kind of ridiculous <laughs> when you think about that you know because every time I mention that you know like a lot of like you know the great like um, you know organizations that you know we consider like, you know, friends, like Light Industry or like the Nightingale in Chicago. Uh, there's a new one that just opened up in Philadelphia called Night Letter, which I'm not quite sure fully about. There's a space now instant in L.A. that I think someone who used to be involved with 8-Ball uh, and then other people started out there as well. It's a seven nights a week thing, and it's just like, I don't know. There's like something about it, too, that like, it's not like some sort of weird, like, passive-aggressive ag- pride. It's just, like, what we found, like, really works for what we're trying to do. For it, it, Like, it, pretty much everything we're doing now was somehow decided on, you know, at day one or two when it first started, when mm-hmm. it was just, like, you know, two or three people. Um, with the exception that, like, Shortly after we started, we decided that we needed to either negotiate fees or get permission from people in order to screen the things that we want. And like that limitation, if you will, has actually created these really great relationships that we've had with artists, uh, with distributors. Um, you know, like it greatly limits like certain things that we can pay for, like for example, the Janus film catalog. Right. Like we can't just show whatever because right. you know it's like I understand. You know, they need a certain minimum. However, you know, we've been able to negotiate like like with the estate of like I don't know, like Huron Faraki or something like that to be able to show these certain things. And because we are no budget, no profit as well, we've been able to do that. And the other side of that as well is we've also been able to have like a really great sort of a, a, a history of people who've like once they've sort of found out about the vibe we're in they like really want to come out and like be at the screening or to do a Q&A or things like that and you know I mean whatever it's all like kind of name droppy but it's also sort of like oh wow like we've had like a number of really great people 
you've come by because it is like a super chill place. You know, we don't necessarily like we're really bad about documenting these things. But on the other hand, it's kind of chill to be able to like do something without having like yeah. Like, we've all gone to you know like even small scale events where it's like you can't see because there's like a DSLR like in your view, and you know. Like it, the the focus seems to be more about yeah we know not a lot of people are going to be here but we're going to document the hell out of it you know? right, right yeah yeah <clears throat> um, what else to say about it um, you know for those who may have been coming a few years ago but thought that somehow uh, all we became about was just horror movies happy to say that that's totally changed around the last few years uh, no more horror movies well still horror movies <laughs> but you know other stuff as well yeah yeah do you want do you want to talk sort of about the curatorial goals of the of the the, the institute right now the, the the curatorial goals i mean we have this kind of tag uh our uh, uh tag line whatever you call it where it's like focusing on like lost forgotten film which is not entirely true because it's never really lost or forgotten but you know it's just sort of like uh you know, because of, like, our limitations, you know, there's kind of, like, you know, this idea about, like, trying to dig deep or at least, like, to develop, like, a program that's, you know, somehow makes sense for our scale or, like, based on a certain approach or thingy or whatnot. Maybe that's not articulating it so well. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it, it, it's funny because... At this point, it's not paranoid to say, but like, you know, within the uh, New York film scene, it's like we are kind of watched in some ways. <coughs> but because we don't necessarily like actively seek out like press, which isn't say we're trying to do that whole like weird. I mean, that's another thing too, like Staying a tangent. The radar yeah. Like, by, like, yeah, yeah, like early on about this whole thing about the collective, there were people who were like, yes, we must move as like an anonymous entity. And I'm like, you know, that's bullshit. Like the whole concept of anonymity, to me at least, reminds me of when I thought that I would be able to act selflessly, selflessly, and somehow along the way still be given credit and adulation for my actions. <laughs> right, right, you right. You know? Like, it's not really selfless. It's actually, like, this weird passive-aggressive, oh, they'll know. They'll know that Spencer did it. Right. And when they don't, you know, I would have a fucking hissy fit because I'm not being rewarded for it, you know? And so because of that, I'm I've, like... I've definitely felt that way about some anonymous records I've done. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, you know? Like, well, everyone's supposed to know. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, they're, they're, they're just supposed to know, but no. I mean, like, you know, you're, you know, like, I can't even keep track of, like what's happening right now not to be like oh my god there's so much happening i can't keep track of it but like yeah you know shit's just busy and hectic yeah. and stressful things we were talking about earlier and so you know like you know on the other hand i also totally understand that like you know no but like you know nobody wants to be walking around with like a name tag that says hey i am blah 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 for sure with spectacle you know because the other cool thing too is it's like right now a lot of the people we have volunteering they're like super deep in the vibe but like their interest extends into like you know working really hard for this type of model you know like earlier on there would be like conversations where people would be like oh so and so is just part of spectacle because they just want to grow their career or some shit like that you know and I'm like well first of all okay maybe but like that if you're throwing stuff like that around you have to kind of check yourself as to like why maybe you're thinking that yeah right you know um and, I mean, you know, and that was, like, the other thing that was cool was, like, 
people who would be a part of the organization would sort of leave like you know their other stuff at the door and when they would walk in it would just be about them and the organization and like people weren't doing it to you know like play pretend or moonlight or whatever you know it was like you know that's all they wanted to focus on when they would come in. And then later on, you would find out that, like, their day jobs, this or that. And you're like, are you fucking kidding me, you know? Like, not in a bad way, but just right. sort of like, oh, wow, all right, you know. This is all shit that, like... But, yeah, it's funny, because then when you, like, sort of talk about all that stuff, things get really sort of confusing anyways. I'm sorry, like, anytime I talk about spectacle, I just start, like, going off into various <laughs> No, no, it's 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 good. It's interesting to me how, I mean, how much it parallels so many facets of the music world, mm -hmm. um, and maybe slightly less surprisingly, how much it parallels facets of the podcast world, which we yeah. we actually don't know anything about, but <laughs> but, yeah, but we really we don't. contribute to. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to remember, um, you know, I guess we'll just call it like techno Twitter, like some of the recent things I've been sort of like on the edges of reading about. And, you know, I think about that and I think about how I'm like sort of on the edges of like film Twitter mm -hmm. because of, you know, just friends and stuff that I do or whatever. And then, you know, I hear people talking about these whatever dot, dot, dot Twitters. And then I dig in and all of a sudden it's just like, oh my God, like there's like just this sea of like yeah. rage rage yeah. right yeah yeah it's so, so film film twitter is similar oh goodness what's the what's the hot drama hot drama right now is the new tarantino movie right you know i can imagine that uh, yeah i've, I've yeah I've, I've peripherally picked up on some of that i think while i was messaging you messaging you earlier i was sort of like wow it's crazy how like these certain things pop up and then they just sort of become the thing mm. you know and like everybody's gonna step out to like give their take yeah no one's gonna be like no you know what i'm like i'll see this one out <laughs> like, like i'm too busy like thinking about like i don't know what love diaz to like talk about tarantino no it's like because i mean it's sort of addressing like the realm at large a dynamic at large right and regardless of what names you want to slot into it could be tarantino but it could be some other director right you know? and it's like oh shit you know this is kind of the zone that all this takes place in. So there's that. There's the new Tarantino. Uh, for a minute, it was kind of about Midsommar, but that was a bit more just about, like... I, I, actually, I, I don't know why that movie was picked out amongst, like, everything else to, like... Did you, did you see it? Did you like it? No, I didn't it? see <clears throat> it. I didn't see it, but it's been brought up. Like, I had been talking with uh, 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 film friends for weeks about it. And then this weekend alone, you know, people I know are like, oh, Midsommar, you know, what do you think? Blah, 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 you know. It's definitely, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't go out to see movies nearly as much as I should, but um, I like watching movies. And it's definitely one that has been popping up in people, conversations people just talking, everywhere. People are talking about it. I'm just kind of dumb and I'm just like, that looks like the Wicker Man. I'm gonna go watch The Wicker Man. <laughs> that, that 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 would more or less be my impulse too. I watched that. I watched the uh, I watched the trailer for it. I mean, it's so Wicker Man, <clears throat> but like that's fine. That's also fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I mean, mean, yeah, just, I mean but, but, but yeah, I was just, just curious about um, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm personally curious. Like, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to go see it. Not because I, I'm trying to be like, oh, I'm going to. Right. That's bug. why I wouldn't see it. I love doing that. Oh, really? I love being the. Uh, uh, yeah, you're like, oh, fuck that. Uh, like, uh, well, I didn't watch Fight Club for like seven years. Like, oh, I'm not going to watch Fight Club until no one even cares about it anymore. Interesting. Actually, I, I don't think Wait, I watched the you, whole thing. Did you anyway. watch Fight Club? I know. I don't think I've still not ever seen it. You haven't seen Fight Club. But yeah, I, I I do a lot of deliberately avoiding things. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. To, just to be contrarian. I'm a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw you dipping the hummus on the pita bread. <laughs> just took like a big handful of the hummus. And you just dabbed it on the like you were the fucking priest on Ash Wednesday or something. You know? <laughs> That's how I roll. Oh, yeah. One of the things was like when I was sitting around being like, fuck, I got to bring some game to this podcast. And I was like, what can I ask y'all about? I was like, I'm going to ask y'all about Shuffle. Oh, What's boy. up with Shuffle? I, I, I want, you keep saying Minimal is going to come back. I have long been predicting for Shuffle to come back because, you know, we're at, it's 1999. Yeah, yeah. We're listening and techno's really, really fast. I mean, and cycles have sped up. So we still have to go through minimal to get to shuffle. Do we but, know? But shuffle kind of came. Shuffle was like ninety nine, two thousand. Uh, but it didn't really reach its peak until like two thousand three or four. Probably that's true. But, but that's, like, was the peak like was that even like a real peak or was uh, it like were, were, were the compilations on like compact reflective or were they kind of like joking sort of? I mean, like, I have no idea what the shuffle scene was like. I didn't <laughs> grow up in Cologne, so I just assume. But you know, like I assumed that what I heard. Which was, yeah, like the compact compilations, Michael Mayer mixes, things like this. Yeah, and then it kind of, but I think it like then got bigger because Shuffle and Compact folded in more like indie stuff. Right. You know? And I'm sure. And the, the, like the pop ambient series. Yeah, and I'm oh, sure. Oh, I was thinking pop ambient because that's very guitar. Yeah, yeah. Vibes. But they kind of also like started throwing like the shuffle kind of like toned down and like compact in general just got more kind of indie like dance yeah i mean well, i think i think by 2005 2006 those were years when it was pretty hard to be a techno musician yeah hmm. so like like just kind like of straight up yeah like, just flat yeah. I mean, like you know most people involved with techno in the mid aughts in the states certainly like just went to like either ambient music or um or yeah like an in, like an indie direction yeah um, or into like, like just rave computer was, music or, yeah yeah, yeah. Rave, unless you were like what, so surgeon well, even surgeon did sur oh really even surgeon yeah. did like you know i mean if you were in europe i think you had a little leeway but i mean techno was pretty dead for a while yeah you know um like like we're talking like techno techno yeah yeah yeah, yeah. just kind of capital t techno yeah, yeah. Um, T is for testosterone. But yeah, I don't know. I, I would like I would like Shuffle to come back. <laughs> I, I, I didn't really like Shuffle very much the first time. So, I mean, I would like to relive my teenage years. <laughs> minimal, though. Yeah, because then I don't need Minimal to come back. You don't need. I was thinking about like, it, it, like it's it's been a bit tougher to keep up with everything that's been going on in my years now. But like, I think about. I think it's hard for everyone to keep stick. up with what's going on. I've given up. It's great. Yeah. I have no idea. We're, we're, we're resolutely anti-trend forecasting on this podcast because we're not good at it, and who gives a shit? Yeah. Break impossible. beats are coming back. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but it was a. Uh, uh, other than saying Shuffle's coming back. Okay. That's, that's the only that's the Shuffle's only coming back. That's the only trend. You heard it here first. You heard it yeah. here first. That's the only trend I'm gonna go yeah. on record <laughs> for. You should make a, a anime gif meme of it. I should, yeah. You know. I just need to pull out my super picture records. Um yeah, like there was a compact track. Fuck what was it called? Wait. So, what is what? What would what? Okay. So, my my long running gag is that minimal's coming back, and it's going to be called small S M O L this time. Small. Yeah. Exactly. Small. So, what would what would new shuffle be called? Noya shuffle. Ah, I you're know. probably right. That's that's <laughs> bad. I don't know. It'd be called Shin Shuffle. I don't know. I'm I'm bad at this show. You got to make it meme-y. I'm not. I'm no good at memes. You know that. Shuffle Junior. You're the you're the memer. Am you're, I the memer? You're the meme generator of the, of the program. <laughs> I'm not good at it. I you know I just have. Are you my meme man? The handful of shuffle records that I had had in that period. You got rid of them. Oh, you had oh, shuffle. I, I mean, I was alive. Dude, you should have. <laughs> um, that shit. You you kidding me? Like that shit's gonna go for <laughs> big bucks. <laughs> yeah. Um. And they were such a pain to mix with non-shuffle records that. Well, yeah, that's why those compact <laughs> CDs were all shuffle. That's why you drop in like some, like I don't know, harsh noise or something, <laughs> and then <laughs> that's the move. <laughs> or like you know, like I was gonna say William Burroughs sample or something, but yeah, I don't think we can deal with that now. <clears throat> Burroughs is is always timely. Everyone always wants Burroughs. God, someone made a really good Burroughs joke in a car the other night and I'm trying to remember what it was. If there's one thing this podcast needs, it's more Burroughs jokes. I think maybe it was like a Burroughs first person shooter where it's just like... (laughs) 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 Oh wait, actually, maybe we shouldn't. (laughs) Yeah, well, now I have two different ideas for what the Burroughs first person shooter would be. (laughs) You feel me? (laughs) Yeah. Should we talk about some tracks? Yeah, I wanted to talk about Copacabana by Barry Manilow. Yeah. Yeah, well, what do you say about Copacabana? I don't know. I've just been listening to it a lot this weekend, and it's... Drinking rum, listening to Copacabana. It's the best, man. What I would say about that is that... Bear with me, but I think a lot of people think they've heard Copacabana. Exactly. And what they've actually heard was people talking about Copacabana (laughs) in a couple seconds about it, right? Yeah. Um, I want to slip in really quick. Like, I'm since forever been a firm believer in just pleasure... Not guilty pleasure, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pleasure is pleasure. Um, I think that it's 
you know, it's a very complicated and it should be a very complicated thing. And I think that, like, you could experience any number of emotions while hearing something instead of being like, oh, I'm just like, because you can pretty much tell, like, when people just, like, are not down for that mission is that, like, maybe for, like, 30 seconds they'll think it's funny, but then they'll just tune out. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas it's like, you know, people about it are tuning in and it's like and the reason why i say that is because for myself i'm like oh yeah you know maybe i've heard this in the background but like actually sitting sitting down listening to it and being like no it's like it's copacabana for a reason it's because it is copacabana right what i mean does that make sense yeah yeah i think for 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 songs like copacabana too and this this might say more about my age but it's the kind of song that a lot of my exposure to would be through things like Remember those on uh, on TV ads for like uh, like the greatest hits of the seventies or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you'd you'd hear and you'd only hear the chorus of these songs, uh, or Three like seconds, whatever. Four seconds. And totally. You, you you because this this ad came on fourteen times at night while you were watching The Simpsons, you would have the one bit exactly. of the song drilled in your brain, but it yep. would be contextless. Yep. Exactly. And embracing the entirety of Copacabana is. It's a thing. It's a heck of a song. It's a journey. You know what I think of when you say that? I'm totally with you there because I was thinking the other day, like, the weakest part of that Funky Town song is the chorus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Funky Town is sick. Funky Town is an amazing song. It's an amazing song, but, like, all you heard was, like, when it flips into, like, you know, but, like, the rest of it is, like, because it's, like, I remember the experience of like a song coming on, be like, "What song is this?" Right. Well, but especially with Funky sudden, Town, you miss that whole like <laughs> right. ridiculous intro. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, the nice thing about it is it doesn't with like something like Copacabana, like it gives you so little. The thing you like know and that you have sort of built up this thing to is such a minuscule part of the track that at least you can then, when you do listen to it, you're like, "Oh, right." This song is fucking amazing, you know. Um, it's not enough to like totally preclude uh, yeah, you yeah, from yeah. enjoying the whole thing because it's such a tiny snippet. But I think you're absolutely right that it's those commercials that have. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, there's, yeah. there's, there's so many songs that like I didn't even hear in like real entirety until well into my thirties. Like, yeah, you're so vain. Okay, so one eighty. Oh yeah, my 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 other pick that I wanted to talk about was Soviet France. Oh yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, Shamani Effluence. Yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm a real Soviet France like newbie, um, so I, I'm just kind of like in that period of like finding out about an artist, 
and mm-hmm. really just like diving into their catalog. And it's one of those things where the first time I listened to this record, um, which was only like a month ago, um, the record being Shouting at the Ground, um, that was one of those moments. And I have these often enough that it's really nice but not often enough that it still kind of like jolts you when it happens where you're like, oh, this is what I've been waiting to listen to for a long time. This is like the music that's been in my head forever. Um, I, the first time it ever happened was when I was 13 and I heard Floodland by the Sisters of Mercy for the first time, which as a 13-year-old was very like, oh, shit. This is the real shit. This is like, this is what I've been wanting to hear for a long time. Um, but yeah, for, I always wanted to hear meatloaf, but goth. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, uh, Floodland's an amazing record. I love it. Yeah, it is an amazing record. I'll always stand by Floodland. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, I mean, Soviet France is, is very, I mean, yeah, it's like industrial music made out of like specks and dusts and field recordings and this track is like the centerpiece of this record the rest of it is just kind of strange sounds um but it's like so Mm -hmm. amazing and enveloping and also it's that kind of it's like this it's incredibly textural and psychedelic and transportative Mm -hmm. and uh um yeah i've just been obsessed with the whole record, uh, talking about like a specific Soviet France track is usually not all that important because it's kind of all about the whole work. Right. Um, but yeah, that's been... So yeah, this weekend was a lot of Soviet France and Copacabana. Which Sounds was, like a great uh, weekend. Which is that's a great, a great show. Yeah, yeah. I was like, whenever I think about Soviet France, I always think about like first introduction to like handmade or like alternative packaging. You know, because they were like right. super big on that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely amongst you know many others, but I mean, it was it was kind of cool, like the zone where like quote unquote industrial or post industrial, like really, like I think about like a tantone, if mm-hmm. you're into the you know, um, yeah, or even like I think hands too. Would you want to talk about Sean? I was going to talk about Petrus and Malavasi tracks. Cause yeah, let's do it. Loda Loda played a bunch of them. Um, Revanche? Revanche. Uh, the Revanche LPs, uh, it's a, it's, it's a heck of a record. We're, we're, we're talking back again. We're talking White Claw somehow. Before, yeah, before we talk about Revanche, let's talk about White Claw because it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and why is everyone drinking it? I, I mean, I'm not drinking at all right now, but I would not drink White Claw. There was a post on Eater about White Claw, and let me let me let me find this real quick. Um, Zima for Zoomers. <laughs> 
That was uh, Perry Farrell's Perrier Farrell's <laughs> project, right? <laughs> you you should do something under the name Perrier Farrell. <laughs> what, what kind of project would that be? Jane's Carbonation. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, fuck, where is this? Darren, 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 Darren. Okay. Eater. White Claw falls into a sweet spot directly between the hypermasculine absurdity of liquid death, canned water, and the hyper-feminine hyper inanity of white girl rosé. People need to stop thinking. I, people do need to stop <laughs> like, thinking. Like, not thinking is sick. It's the best. <laughs> just, just stop. Just Ben, stop thinking. <laughs> Once yeah. when I was 45. <laughs> oh, man. No, nah, but yeah, it's just malt liquor. Just buy seltzer in a bottle of Tito's. And yeah, you, then you're supporting two good businesses, a seltzer company and Tito's. There's so much good seltzer out there. There is. But Revanche. 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 Uh, yeah, the Revanche uh, LP is a heck of a, it's a heck of a record. Four tracks, produced by Petrus and Malavasi, probably best known for Change. Um, Peter Jacques Band. Uh, what, there's, another, there's another big one of theirs that I'm forgetting right now. But, um, that's a man from Guadalupe and uh, a Milan-based musician. Um, and they made some real sick cuts. <clears throat> exactly the kind of disco that I always look for. Like, very physical, aggressive, synthy. Mm -hmm. um, the Loda played Music Man, the, the, the title cut from the record. And that was always, like, one of my least favorite of the... Uh, of the tracks on the records, but it sounded so good. Um, so I was just revisiting that one. Uh, That's chill. Earlier I discovered that Petrus died at 39 in 87, I think, because he, he had fled... Uh, he had, the IRS was uh, coming after him, so he fled back to Guadalupe and uh, then died in... Uh, 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 he was shot by a Swiss gunman who was at a nightclub that he had owned. Swiss gunman sets <laughs> off some... <laughs> sets off some flags, doesn't it? Uh, Not just me. Doesn't sound sketchy at all. Yeah, Swiss gunman. Sounds... <clears throat> sounds mega sketchy. But that's exactly how you want your uh, disco superstars to go, so... Yeah, I guess so, yeah fleeing tax evasion and killed in a gunfight. Yeah. Wait, what was there a connection between the Swiss gunman and the smoke? Yeah, that's... Like, 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 like based on the two sentences I read on Wikipedia, uh, it was like they had gotten in some kind of argument at Petrus's nightclub. Oh, okay. It's deeper than that. <laughs> Let's get to the bottom of this. Let's get, uh, you know, <laughs> we're, you know, a conspiracy podcast now. Um... <laughs> We should, we should go investigate. We should investigate, yeah. So in terms of like music-associated news, I'm trying to see if I could quickly pull this up. Um, it turns out that the shooter in Dayton was 
the lead singer for a porno grand band. Huh. Which you're all familiar with that. A what? Porno grind. It's like, you know, there's like death metal and then grindcore uh-huh. and then death metal like Cannibal Corpse and etc. Then, you know, like going into grindcore, it would just become increasingly grotesque. Mm. And so, you know, like, but like within metal, there was also like guar, which was kind of grotesque. But right cartoony right. but then porno grind is sort of taking like more of these psychosexual aspects of all that other stuff and trying to like push it sure right further and porno and grind is exactly what it sounds like yeah it's, it's just, just grindcore except like the titles are all like super misogynistic and gross yep pretty much and on, where is it porno grind latest so, like, of course, everyone's just weighing in. <laughs> okay, here we go. Dayton Shooter was the lead singer of a porno grind. Right. Metal band. So, are we saying that it's also 1997 again and we're going to... Yeah, it's just sort of like... Freak you know, out about... Like... Or, but at the same time, you know, I mean, I feel like... That stuff should still be investigated because it's like, you know, it's like in any particular yeah, sure. yeah, still course. being pushed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the yeah, same yeah. time, you know what? It is going to happen. Yeah, 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 like what you're mm-hmm. saying. Okay. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Over the past year, the 24-year-old shooter occasionally performed live vocals in the band Menstrual Munchies, which released albums titled Six Ways of Female Butchery and Preteen Daughter put dollar dollar sign slaughter right with cover art blah 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 he also performed with a group called putrid liquid um, yeah so at some point some some red flags start going up and well, but but the thing is it's it's funny because it's like it could be red flags or it could just be like like you know the the hope is that somehow like in a perfect like neutral world like you can explore these particular fantasies however that's not yeah, of course, this right. is not at all the you know, or, um, or or that you know that this this could be done with some degree of critique, right? Like, you yeah, know, a lot of industrial music is certainly critical of atrocities, right? Yeah, but at the same time, it just ends up kind of being like fascist cosplay. I mean, let's yeah. just yeah. say that that's what the case is, and then like the defense of it is being like, oh, you know, art just can't be what it used to be, or like, you know, like, and it's like you just. The, the optics of that scene basically tell the story of where it was coming from. And right. it's like, oh, God, this, that, this is a whole other episode for me. Coming from <laughs> noise music? Goodness. <laughs> Goodness. Um, so uh, their bandmate basically tried to, like, take all the recordings down that they could and to just, like, erase the band because he basically says that he doesn't want that person to get any more attention or any sort of like romanticizing, or right? Any right, sort right, of like, right, right. You know, like David Crash folk album. Yeah, right. no, I mean that, that's that's, that that's that's a that's a responsible reaction. You know, I think that it's totally legit, and I think that it's great that like you know the person's going such extremes because yeah. I feel like I mean to even call it extreme. That's the, uh, that's that's just the responsible thing to do in this case. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, Midwest porno grind scene existed, blah, 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 even better known, 
Germany-based band Cock and Ball Torture have just thousands of Facebook fans. Menstrual Munchies often performed with other regional acts like Necro Cannibal Ass Grinder, Bill Nye the Nazi Spy, and Seanut Torch. I'm not going to say the word, but you know what I'm saying. Playing festivals like the Pornfields of Illinois' Grindfest. Um, <laughs> or a former venue in Columbia, Missouri called UPS, under the Porn Shop, named for its location beneath the Venus Adult Megastore. <laughs> Owned by the mother... A fellow scenester, Zach Walton. Of the band. Groin Mallet. (laughs) (laughs) What is the darkest we've ever gone on this this show? Okay, 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 okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You can't make this shit up. You really can't. (laughs) H, no. Did you have some music you want to talk about, Spencer? (laughs) No, I, yes. Like you, I have two. Um, I forget if I forwarded the first one. Um... So the the first track um, is actually a track I've been thinking about for quite a while, and it ties in a little bit to what we were talking about earlier about like, you know, voice and things like that, and also, yeah. you know, particular production, blah blah blah, um, and also, conveniently ties into the stuff we were talking about with Copacabana, right? Like, is it necessarily just kind of this thing having been repeated to us, or is it like actually like a genuine banger and a moment in which? All those things collided. You had a star. You had a crack writing team. You had everything just like create like a real jammer. And so uh, uh, a sort of uh, 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 genre of music, if you will, that I kind of lazily on and off sort of dipped into is, um, you know, these kind of like song recording factories such as Amritz, which is the one I'm picking on, who not only like, basically contract like i'm sure they have just like this huge rolodex full of like producers and vocalists um they contract them to like just crank out like you know uh, 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 cover versions of popular songs and to basically try to get it as close as possible because what they can do then is to split in half where one half of it just becomes a karaoke backing track that they can sell off right and the other half they then take and endlessly republish under a variety of um, bookends or organizing things. Um, And, you know, they're often published under, like, these really generic, weird names. Amrits, though, being a big one, they usually stick with, like, this one is credited to Amrits Tribute Standards, and it's under the collection of Angelia, I don't know that song, but Angelia attributed Richard Marks. But theoretically, say, they could also then take this track and package it in with... God, when did this song come out? It was like... 90s, 90s, I don't know. The original... 
Um, but so then they could say like the greatest hits of this year and they could like republish that song again. Right. And so what happens is then in something like, I mean, it's a little different now because of the domination of streaming, but back when it was like iTunes, someone would put in a search and then you would get the original artist, but then you would get like this long list of like, you know, this anonymous sort of cover mm -hmm. factory. All of that is which is to say it's been a really interesting system to dig into that ties into kind of what people call like real people or outsider records. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because there's kind of a tradition of the cover song within that, right? Because if you are a person who had the means to be able to produce, record, produce, and print up and distribute a record of your own, like, you know, chances are you're like super excited by, you know, some larger acts work. And so sometimes you would want to record a cover version. And, you know, so then because of that, there's been like so many super great like cover versions that have existed in this sort of like lonely slash outsider slash whatever canon, mm -hmm. you know, like index from Texas who just like recorded some really amazing um, covers I'm blanking on right now. But so anyway, like I'd been thinking about, okay, well, where is that tradition going now? Because certainly the availability to like do like YouTube covers, for example, you know, like, yep. or, you know, to be able to just record something and send it out is like greater than ever because I am interested in like particular YouTube covers, sure. And occasionally like kind of the weird voice that pops up in earnest in like talent shows, although a little less, you know. Um, anyway, occasionally like, 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 within a system that's supposed to be as like accurate as possible, a cover version, it's like you'll find these deviations mm -hmm. pitched up against like accurate representations of the music. Right. The song that like, I actually have a crush on the song, I decided. Um, it's, it's a cover of the Richard Marks song, Should Have Known Better. Another sleepless night I can't explain Somebody said they heard me There's a part of me that has been listening to these, like, and whenever I find one that I actually really, really like, like, then I start to imagine, like, what if this was the original? Like, what if this was, right. you know? Because as we know that there's many an origin story for songs like that. Yeah. Like, Natalie Imbruglia, Torn, was actually a song by some, like, struggling or, like, mid-popular American indie band, mm -hmm. you know? And just somehow, like, it went across right. the earth and got covered. <clears throat> um, the other track, and it's funny because again, uh, I was going to say it's a 180, but maybe it's just more of a 360, is Augusto Pio Ananta, which is the B-side to, uh, I guess we could call it an Italian minimalist classic, Motore Immobile, Immobile.
the origin story behind this was when I was in school, uh, a TA from a, a film class I had started Dusty Groove in Chicago. Okay. Um, that would have been because I was in school in mid nineties in Chicago, and the store I think started towards the tail end of my school time. And you know, going in, it was like a, it was like a very particular, really nice like record shopping experience, right? Like, um, and so like, I would just grip like you know random CDs, and there was a CD on cramps of this record. And, you know, having listened to it a bunch on the CD, realizing now just how much this track actually, like, influenced a lot of stuff that I've done and continue to do and continue to try to think about and continue to try to capture Mm -hmm. this particular vibe. Because it's not, I mean, it's not slow, it's not fast, it's like... It's vertical and horizontal. Well, Jesus. Anyway, I can imagine it being difficult to like find like representative excerpt from this. That's just a few seconds long to like just grip exactly what's you know for me at least like what this track is about and like yeah because I mean this track and the A side as well is such like a a time warp. It's all about the time and the space and so like there's nothing about it to communicate other than like you have to just listen to it yeah yeah um to understand what it's even about yeah 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 no absolutely and i think you know like you know maybe like it's it spoke to me personally even before i realized it because you know it was only after this time where you know i would start like working on my own stuff in earnest years and years later um and like very much is wrestling between the two you know like yeah. i was saying earlier like vertically and horizontally right wanting to have everything be eventful but then like how could like what would be considered stasis actually be right. eventful you know how long you let things ride out right yeah. even thinking about like the timeline the the anatomy if you will of like what would be considered a proper techno track right right it functions a lot differently than like you know, what most people think about in terms of music, even like, you know, electronic music. Yeah. As they know it. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's a lot of that internal tension, like you're saying, between a sort of vertical and horizontal uh, composition or, or whatever is critical to techno. It's kind of what really sucked me in at first is finding that perfect loop that isn't a loop, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And finding that perfect, like, groove that seems to like keep on going and is always sort of shifting but never really goes anywhere different yeah um for me that's always been like the thing i've always been most drawn to in music Mm -hmm. and i found a lot of that in in sort of the more underground and minimal varieties of techno and house and then uh later in sort of things like you know, drone music or like uh, Italian minimalism or, you know, a lot of other things that basically play with that same dynamic and maybe are outside of a club context, but which to me, because I had been listening to techno for a long time as a kid, like were immediately approachable in a way that I think like is something that techno really can lend itself to Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. because that sort of, yeah, that tension that you're talking about is 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 such a critical part 
of techno I've, from the beginning, you know? I feel like learning about like subscribe, subs, subtraction, not just in terms of parts, but also like, you know, the first time like I gotten my hands on like a DJ mixer and the kills and stuff. Yeah. You know, it's just sort of like, I mean, it's like, you know, you're like eating the stew where it's like one minute you get a bite of sausage, the other minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what you get, your fucking crab claw, right? But like, <laughs> but you know, it's all part of like, it's all there though, right? Yeah. You know, and it's just, it's just sort yeah. of like understanding that. And because like, yeah, it's like what we were talking about earlier, like, you know, this desire to pile on, which, you know, very much comes from, I'm sure it's been discussed before, but like Ableton exhaustion, if you will. Right, yeah. Because you've been sitting, listening to like yeah. the same five things going on, and you want something to happen, and so then you throw two more things on top of yeah, it, and yeah. somehow something's happening, it's like, you know, I yeah. know, it's, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. But like, yeah, in particular, like sort of like the, the idea that like you're putting together something that you know will be individually listened to but then at the same time you want to leave enough space because if like if you're familiar with working with tracks it's like to some degree you're expecting like a certain amount of head and tail yeah or whatever yeah. to work with right right know? yeah and it's, I know, it's really fascinating to me yeah also like music that is made for made to be like interacted with yeah you know uh-huh like it's designed to like stand on its own but also for like someone else to bring uh-huh something to it mm-hmm. um which i guess is then can spin off into a whole conversation about art and oh how, goodness and right? you know like intention and, and yeah like, all of that which is <laughs> which would be great to talk about but well because you know also like you know i could imagine or at least from my perspective the times when i was younger and i would listen to like you know explicitly techno and sort of at the time like wishing there were more sort of quote right, unquote right, right. but not right. quite understanding what else like is the, it going to do well right exactly you know and then at the same time listening to like a lot more minimal like noise and experimental music and then like the time, like the peak of DJing I was doing would be like, I had like two of these like American DJ CD DJ players and I would mix like, you know, like a acapella Hino track with like, you know, some other like, like, I don't know, like Han Bennett solo thing. And because there is kind of the shared pulse, things would mesh. Right. Or like, you know, like, uh, 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 you know, synth period. Well, I guess Coil has always been synths, but like thinking about like around Astral Disaster sure, and yeah. Solstice, like how easily that flowed into like other tracks. And like to do those mixings and to have, you know, people ask like, oh, you know, what was that track? And not being like, oh, you know, I happened to like stumble upon this grand juxtaposition, but like to even be able to juxtapose things and have them meld. I think more so a testament to kind of like whatever this, what the the, the shared sort of thing is. Mm-hmm. But then I guess the, the difference is that like, you know, maybe the idea is that ultimately you're supposed to just listen to Hino like bang on trash cans and yell like in the corner by itself. Whereas, but, but the, no, then again, it's like, you know, like, you still listen to like techno tracks as like an individual yeah. piece of music. It doesn't have to be one or the other, yeah. you know? It can be yeah. 
both, which I think is why it's great. Yeah, I mean, I, I think techno yeah. techno at its best. The the DJ functionality is by and large like incidental to like other formal concerns. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, it's great to hear it in context of a mix, and then the great tracks are also great to hear yeah. on their own. Like, yeah, it yeah. can yeah. do all of it. You yeah. Know? And that's kind of, I think, I yeah. guess the. Wow, that's like a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the dangers of podcasting. Yeah. Well, we will leave that for another day. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you very much for having Thanks me on. For coming Thanks on. for coming super, on. Super, yeah. super cool. Super yeah. cool. We, we went many places while staying in one place. Beautiful. Just Earth as with horizontal. techno and just as with, yeah, exactly, Italian <laughs> minimalism. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> This episode was truly a Giusto Pio you know. <laughs> this episode brought to you by Franco Battiato and... Uh, Cacciapaglia. Cacciapaglia. And Control. <laughs> but I guess, like, the catch of those is that apparently, like... I mean, like, Cacciapaglia, there's Sinote and Logica, and there's the Anne Steele record, but outside of that, apparently everything else is just... Yeah. Garbage? Yeah, yeah. 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 I don't know. Who knows? Unlike this podcast. We'll do a whole Italian minimalism deep dive. Because <laughs> we know what you all want. <laughs> well, you, you really should, though. I mean, it's, it's great music. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Recording from Control. Space Camp Beta. Space Camp Beta signing off. Thanks to our patrons on patreon.com slash Beta. And yeah, thanks again, as always, to Control. Good night. Just let it ring out with a yeah. nice, just a P.O. Do we have more seltzer? Ciao, 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 ciao.